Tonight we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, and uh, it's a famous passage, famous passage of Jesus where he feeds 5,000 plus people. It's a very well-known passage, but what I hope to show you is as well-known as it is for the miracle we see in it, there's even more to it than that, that I especially want you to see. And um, I'm going to read for us tonight. And you can follow along or just listen, whichever uh, works best for you. I'm going to begin at verse 30 in Mark chapter 6 and read through verse uh, 44. Here's God's word. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late... His disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. So we're continuing to look at the life of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And as I said, this is a famous passage. Uh, If you have ever been around Christianity for any length of time, this is certainly a story, my guess is, that you've heard. If you've ever looked at a children's story Bible, it's in there. But what I want you to see, even though the miracle is the main action of the story, the main point of the story is different. The main point of the story is Jesus' compassion. And the reason I want you to to notice that, even more so than the, the miracle in it, is that Jesus' ministry was never intended to be a mere spectacle, a bare demonstration of a brute power. Everything Jesus does and says is intended to reveal the kingdom of God. It's intended to reveal who he is as the son of God. God in the flesh come for sinners. And therefore, as striking as this this miracle story is, it's really all about his compassion for sinners. And Mark tells us in verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. And that word there translated compassion, it's almost exclusively used 
of Jesus in the New Testament. And it means literally to have the bowels yearn. It's a vivid graphic term to describe a deep yearning and longing. An intense concern and sympathy for others. It's a visceral compassion. His entire person is caught up in compassion for these crowds, for these people who are like sheep without a shepherd. And in fact, it's the same word that's used in Luke chapter 15 to describe the father of the prodigal son as he sees the son far off in the distance coming home in tattered clothes, filthy, stinky, dirty, ashamed. And the text says the father had compassion, hiked up his robes and ran after him. It's the same word that Mark uses here to describe Jesus' compassion for these people. And so what I want us to do tonight is look at this passage to learn three things about Jesus' compassion. I want us to see the priority of his compassion, the character of his compassion, and then finally, the satisfaction that comes from Jesus' compassion. So first, let's look at the priority of it in verses 30 to 33. You notice here in verse 30 that the disciples have just come back from their first missionary journey, as if you will, their first tour to further Jesus' ministry. And they've come back and there's a tension right at the beginning of this story. They've returned, but they also are in need of great rest. Jesus recognizes this and says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. And then Mark tells us the reason for it because many were coming and going to them. Still, they've returned, but people are still coming and going. And so many are coming and going, they can't even eat. It's constant. It's relentless. The pace will not let up. Now, imagine for a moment what happens here because... Jesus recognizes this. He says, come away with me, and they go. Verse 32, they go away to a desolate place by themselves. But verse 33, many saw them going. They continue to come. And in fact, they beat Jesus and the disciples to the place where they're going, so so much so that when they get there, they're on the shore waiting. Here we have a promise of rest, only to have it utterly disrupted and ruined by the crowds flocking to Jesus and his disciples once again. Now, just to put yourself in the place of the disciples for a moment, think about your own life. Here, they show up on the shore, and what you might expect is, if Jesus is serious about giving the disciples rest, he might send the crowds away and say, no, I'm not going to talk to you, we need time which is exactly the opposite of what actually happens. Jesus, without skipping a beat, as it were, Mark tells us, as soon as he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them. Now, if you were one of the disciples, what would you be thinking? You're exhausted. You haven't eaten. People continue to come. And the one who has promised to give you rest seems to skip right over it. And turn again to attend to all of these people. 
See, I don't think we have to, you don't have to be an apostle of Jesus to, to feel what it's like to long for rest and to only have it disrupted. Perhaps, maybe in, in your work, the moment you get done with one project, another one is waiting. Or maybe it's been waiting. Or if you have ever had the experience of putting a child down to bed, thinking that they've gone to sleep, only realize that is far from the truth. And there goes your few moments of quiet. We are disrupted by the frenetic pace of life all the time. And like the disciples experience the elusiveness of of rest, even the rest that Jesus here promises. And in fact, I would venture to guess that for most of us, rest and compassion are not friends. For most of us, rest and compassion are competitors. And the interesting part of this passage is that Jesus here has a lesson for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Jesus here, by rushing right on past, as it were, this promise of rest as disciples, he has a lesson for us. The priority for Jesus is obvious. His compassion comes before, takes precedence over our rest. Now, to be truthful, it's not exactly what I want to hear. Perhaps it's not what you want to hear. Perhaps you're exhausted tonight. And you're tired. And Jesus says, but my compassion takes precedence over your rest. And what I want us to see here is that for Jesus, Jesus' compassion is not the enemy of rest. But in fact, it's the path to the rest that he promises. Notice just for a minute, we'll get here again in a few moments. But verse 42, if we could skip ahead. Verse 42 says, they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and they were satisfied. They were contented. They were provided for. They feasted and they rested. You see, Jesus' compassion is the path to the satisfaction that he gives. The rest that he promises And therefore, if it is the case that the unfolding of this story points up the priority of Jesus' compassion, even over much-needed rest, then we really have to understand why it's so supremely important. We need to understand what it is. So not only does Jesus' compassion take priority, we need to understand the character of it. What makes it so important? Let's look in verses 34 to 38. Here, Jesus, the moment he arrives on the shore, he sees the people, he has compassion on them, and Mark tells us the reason, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The primary image we are given of Jesus here is as a shepherd. As a shepherd who is attentive to people who are lost who are leaderless, who are vulnerable, who are exposed, who are desperate. The text tells us they're in a desolate place. They're nowhere near any villages. These people 
are without food, as we discover. They are alone, and all they have is Jesus. And Jesus has compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And if we had time, I would, I would take you back more into the Old Testament to help you to see that Jesus here is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament pictures, both good and bad, of God as a shepherd. In fact, even in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 14 and 15, it's a classic passage just describing the the disaster of God's shepherds over his people. The prophets, the priests, the elders, their utter failure to shepherd his people. And God says, I am going to come. I will be the shepherd to my people. I am going to do it. And here we have God himself in the person of Jesus coming to be the shepherd that God had promised would come. To shepherd his people. And Mark here presents Jesus above all else as the one who cares. We read Psalm 23 earlier. Everything about this story echoes Psalm 23. That Jesus as the shepherd who has compassion. So the fundamental shape of Jesus' compassion takes the form of a shepherd that he's caring. But notice the primary work of Jesus As the good shepherd in verse 34, Mark tells us that in seeing them, having compassion on them, a sheep without a shepherd, the very first thing and perhaps the only thing that Mark describes Jesus doing here is he began to teach them many things. Now Mark doesn't tell us what he taught them, but it's striking that Mark says he began to teach them many things because there, there are many commentators look at this passage and uh, they suggest that the crowd that appeared there on the shores was militaristic in its intent. It was ready to launch a revolution against Rome, against the enemies of God's people with Jesus at the front, leading this revolutionary charge to defeat the enemies of God's people and That's somewhat hinted at in the fact that Mark includes there were 5,000 men in verse 44. And that they they arrived so swiftly and quickly in verse 33. But whatever the intent of the crowd, Mark simply doesn't tell us. Whatever the intent of the crowd, Jesus sees them starving. He sees them as alone and starving for God's word. So he spends the entire day until it got late into the evening or even to the night teaching them. And what did he teach them? I think behind that phrase there that he taught them many things we're supposed to remember earlier in Mark's gospel, even at the very beginning when Jesus shows up and Mark gives us a summary of Jesus' teaching. And he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Or Mark chapter 4 and the parables of the kingdom. And Jesus, Mark tells us that he taught the people in parables again and again and again. That if we want to know what did he teach them about the kingdom, we're to look back to earlier in Mark's gospel. But whatever is the case, the clear implication is 
The compassion of Jesus, if you want to know the heart of Jesus, it's found in his word. It's found in the good news of the kingdom that he brings. And the other side of the coin to that is that what is the primary job of the sheep then? The primary job of the sheep is to listen to the shepherd. That is the fundamental call of anyone who would follow Jesus, is to listen to the shepherd. Now, if that's the primary work of Jesus, to teach them many things, notice what happens when he does these two things, when he acts as this shepherd and he teaches them. The compassion that he shows the crowd, it reveals the hearts of his disciples. It exposes them in verses 35 to 38. Again, the disciples, they haven't eaten. It's late. The people need food. And the disciples recognize this and they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, send them away. Send them into the surrounding villages so they can get something to eat. And astoundingly, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. And you can just imagine what they might have said. And in fact, they do say, are we supposed to go and spend 200 nanari, which is about a year's wages or so, getting food, or it's a day's wage for a labor, laborer? It's a lot of money, as it were, to go and get food for over 5,000 people. Some commentators, the way that this passage reads, suggest that we're, there were even close to ten or 15,000 people if he's only counting the men, but if you include the men and women and even some children. He says, you go, you provide them something to eat. It's an impossible demand. It's an irrational request. And you even pick up on the disciples' frustration in in verse 37. But even more than that, what you begin to see is the disciples are exposed. They're being asked to do something they cannot do. They are utterly insufficient to do it. They're financially insufficient. The circumstances are impossible. And they don't have what is needed. And therefore, Jesus, in saying to them, you feed them. It's your job to feed them brings the disciples face-to-face with their only option. That their only option is they have to rely upon him. And it teaches us at least two things. It teaches you can't feed the sheep in your own strength. And again, the second thing Jesus is saying here, don't look to the sheep to give you what you were supposed to give them. And I couldn't help this week but think of myself as an elder, an under-shepherd of Jesus, as well as uh, my fellow elders here at Red Mountain Church. This is a particularly poignant passage to those of us in in that role who have been called by Jesus through the church to shepherd Jesus' sheep. My fellow elders, we cannot feed the sheep. We are insufficient for the task. 
And we should never look to the sheep to give us what we are called to give to the sheep. This is a passage that is for the good of the sheep. It speaks to the shepherds. And our call as shepherds to reckon with the fact that Jesus here is saying, you must do it and you cannot do it. And you must turn to me, the good shepherd, the one shepherd who has compassion for lost sheep. So what are we to do? How do we keep from giving up, both as elders here at Red Mountain Church, but even as God's people, when faced with our insufficiency and inability to do what you were called to do by God to do? See, at this point in the story, when there are no other options to feed and care for the people, Jesus has both the disciples and the people, and hopefully now us, right where he wants us. That Jesus shows his disciples and the crowd and us the satisfaction that only can come from his compassion. So as we look at the satisfaction of Jesus' compassion, look with me in 39 to 44. Here, what do we see? Jesus, in verse 39, he commands them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Jesus here on the hillsides in this desolate place is throwing a banquet. A huge feast, but there's no food. And you are meant to see here a complete contrast to the passage that comes before this, which is Herod. And the great banquet that he threw with all of his wealthy, powerful leaders and the extravagance and the power and the manipulation and the adultery and the lust and the murder of that story is utterly contrasted with Jesus' compassion in the feast on the hillsides with Jesus as the shepherd for all of these lost, helpless sheep. And Jesus here has everyone sit down. And he prays and he lifts up the bread and breaks it and distributes it. And he satisfies. Again, verse 42. This great banquet ends with, they all were satisfied. And how were they satisfied? At least two ways. They were satisfied in the breadth of Jesus' compassion. 5,000 men, not counting men, women, the women and children, potentially 15,000 or so people. And in fact, there is even a left, enough left over for his disciples. In verse 43, Mark tells us 12 basketsfuls were left over. There is not a person there that Jesus didn't provide for and satisfied. Mark tells us they all were satisfied. What is he telling us? That Jesus and in him alone is found the satisfaction that you need. Jesus here, not only does he satisfy them all in the breadth of his provision, but in the depth of it. They all were satisfied. They found rest, contentment. Jesus here is pictured as he feeds them spiritually. He taught them all day long the word of God, the good news of the kingdom. And he satisfies them physically in verse 42. 
In other words, Mark is telling us, here is our all-sufficient Savior, full of compassion for those who need it and long for it. But I want you to notice there is a profound irony, again, particularly for those of us who are elders. Notice what happens here. Despite the disciples' objections, they, in the end, did feed the people. Look, in verse 41, Mark says, And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. And Jesus, he's describing Jesus here, and Jesus said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He gave them to the disciples to set before the people. See, this is the good news for an elder. And even for you who are members of Red Mountain Church, you have called men who are called to feed you and they cannot feed you. Except through Jesus Christ. Whose compassion here takes these men who are frustrated, exposed, and through them feeds well over 5,000 people. They end up being the ones to feed all these people. I hope that's good news to you. I hope that's good news to my fellow elders. We cannot save people. We cannot fix people. But through Jesus Christ, we can feed people. We can tend to them as shepherds to sheep who are vulnerable, who are exposed, who are desperate, who are hurting, who are lost, and they need shepherds to feed them. And in Jesus Christ, you have all the sufficiency you need, all the compassion in the gospel that you don't have to take and serve it to the sheep. And you see, this does not mean that our inability leads to inactivity. In fact, what it means is Jesus' compassion is what motivates and empowers our activity, not just as elders, but as Christian people. As we endeavor to show compassion to others within this church and outside of this church. And you see, what I want you to see is not only does Jesus satisfy with his compassion, but this miracle anticipates Jesus' ultimate expression of his compassion by laying down his life for his sheep. The feast that Jesus gives here on the hillsides of Judea. It's a feast that requires another feast. And in fact, it's the feast that Jesus has with his his disciples the night before he was betrayed. And the the language is the same. If you want to check this out, look in verse 41. Mark tells us that he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. If you look in Mark chapter 14, verse 22, exact same pattern. Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. You see, here in this story, the shepherd feeds the sheep. In Mark 14, the feast that's required for this one to become good news to us, not just to those people back then and there, is that Jesus later 
as the shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. And even more than that here, we see the same work of Jesus as the great host of a beautiful feast, a great banquet, is our hope. That great wedding feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, that here is pictured and now we wait and we even celebrate every week here at Red Mountain Church and the meal that Jesus has given us to remember him but also to look forward to when he comes back and we sit down with him face to face as his sheep and feast with him. So whatever path you have traveled to be here tonight, Jesus' message to you is, I have come to show you compassion, to be a shepherd to you, to teach you, to feed you, even at the cost of my own life. And you see, therefore, not only that, Jesus is where we find the resources to show this compassion. Because we don't have it. We can't get it. It's not something we can work up. It is a gift. It's received by faith. As the Spirit of God works out the compassion of Jesus into our lives, the very fabric of your everyday life, the normal everyday conversations, the hurts and the wounds, the hopes and the despairs, the triumphs and the sorrows. Here is Jesus. He sees us. He has compassion. For without Him we are like sheep without a shepherd. But because of him, we have the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we give you thanks for Jesus. We give you thanks for your beloved son, whom you promised long ago to come and to shepherd us, to tend to us with compassion. Though we're lost, though we're Vulnerable, exposed, we're desperate. We give you thanks that you have not left us alone. That you sent Jesus to be our good shepherd, even at the cost of his own life. And we pray that your compassion, your love for us, despite what we're like, would be so sweet that it would take such deep root in us that we couldn't help but show that compassion to others. Would you please make it so for your glory and our good. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.